you're listening to Of Sights and Men. A Daily Magician production. Hello and welcome back to uh, Of Sights and Men. Uh, today we've got a very uh, interesting podcast segment for you. Uh, it's not going to be like our usual podcast where we kind of introduce a a new guest and learn about their magical journey and do all of that lovely stuff um but it's going to be something i think perhaps better at least different uh i'm joined by a a very you probably heard about him a lot on our email list we we talk about him a lot we promote his stuff a lot and we work with him very closely his name's danny goldsmith um and in our estimation he's a he's he's one of the, the greatest living coin magicians right now He's produced certainly the best coin material that I've learned from and seen in the magic scene. And uh, he's been a, a growing name and a growing presence. Uh, and yeah, we're very excited. Well, I'm very excited. I say we like Benji's still here, but he's been in Macedonia for like a year and a half now. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm very excited to, to sit down and, and talk with, with Danny today. So how, how are you doing, Danny? I'm doing well. Thank you for the, the kind introduction. <laughs> yeah of course of course i have to just because yeah. you know sometimes your introductions are malicious and just <laughs> yeah you know, violent. <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm a very mean person yeah <laughs> especially in in, in private <laughs> i guess i mean the they give me the flattering the flattering introduction <laughs> yeah yeah so we kind of had this plan for this podcast like we we talk a lot um mostly uh, about like uh, spirituality usually when it's our long discussions but i thought it might be interesting maybe to move into kind of like um almost like a recap because it's it's been almost like uh maybe almost coming up on two years maybe since we we met each other and i think we've both seen quite a lot of changes in the magic industry we both progressed a lot in our business and magic journeys and personal journeys i mean you had a kid <laughs> uh i got married uh we both got married actually so i think there's there's, there's been a lot of uh of change and i don't know things that we might have seen and i thought it might just be interesting to kind of have like a a recap discussion where it's not on anything specific or it doesn't have to be too tailored to one thing but just almost like a like a brainstorm where we'll just go into different topics pick them apart and hopefully it'll be interesting for the listeners because you'll learn more about obviously coin magic you'll learn more about magic in general and uh Hopefully, um, if our yeah. discussions go how they usually do, we'll get into some interesting stuff. So, yeah, I wanted to start, I guess, first with maybe that first question of, I guess, in the past two years, like, how have you seen magic change, I guess, for the good and mm-hmm. and and worse <laughs> and, and for the mm-hmm. worst? And, like, what's been most striking to you about your own magic journey the past two years? Yeah. Thinking back on some of our conversations from you know over a year ago now, I realized, um, you know, we had some stuff of looking forward and looking at where do we think the magic community is going. And now, now when I look back upon the last year, I realized mm-hmm. I was mostly right um, about yeah. you know the things that I thought would happen. Got him. <laughs> Just seeing more independent creators, uh, you know, more creators releasing independently. And seeing that with this ability to easily create websites, you know, use these programs, these much more friendly user faces, 
that we were going to see creators move away from big companies and start releasing a little more independently. And, you know, there's been a lot more memberships um, that have come out, you know, and even uh, like from big names like Craig Petty, you know, Craig Petty is started Netflix and, um, you know, all these different creators kind of focusing on more independent things. So it's interesting to like look at that. And I think that'll continue is, um, you know, even just personal stuff. I see a lot of creators do with more gum roads, you know, you know, just like gum road accounts, like people I follow on Instagram, just like being like, Oh, he's just, I teach this effect here, you know? And that's super cool to see. And I personally, um, I just, uh, made a deal with illusionist to get back my products so that I now own them, um, exclusively and, uh, release them only on my site. So for me, that's been a focus the last year and it, just seems to be a more general focus as these tools are becoming more accessible for people. But uh, that's the the kind of business side of it. The artistic side is, you know, it's an artistic industry, right? So it's <laughs> can go so many different directions, right? Um, technology is trying to innovate, but artistry is expressive, it's exploratory. So it's, you know, we'll continue to see magic that's more hobby-like and quick tricks and fast-paced. And at the same time, I feel like I'm starting to see more magic that is more beautifully scripted and tells a, a better, you know, a story and has a more kind of poetic, artistic quality to it. So there's, mm. you know, seeing these, what I think are the two main branches of magic, it's artistic quality magic is an art and then magic is a hobby magic is like um you know i think you you hobby in the sense of like maybe it's not the best word for this but people who like just go out and like to just do a trick and you know mm-hmm. entertain people um and magic is an art is something that's really you know sat down scripted trying to express something it's really looking at what is the quality of experience i'm trying to invoke and what are the right words right pacing the right tension and relaxation the right type of effect to elicit that response but i think we're going to continue to see you know growth in both those fields and and that we are i think uh, and you know curious to see the ways that that continues to branch out for sure especially as we see more independent creators who are getting their name out there and uh without having to join a magic company we right you know, and as social media continues to evolve, there's more opportunity for people to just be seen. So it's, yeah. we can, uh, we'll see more diversity, right? Because the magic companies filter this stuff to a, an effect that will sell. And then that's the type of magic we tend to see. Whereas, you know, with more independent creators, we'll see a lot more variety. Yeah, that's pretty true. I, it's true that, like, even two years ago, it didn't seem like people had the same... Uh, I don't know, maybe like gumption. That's a very British word, but like, <laughs> like <laughs> it seems like anyone that has like a social media following is like really happy to like share their stuff in a way that wasn't like the same before, you know. Like mm-hmm. as far as like creating their own little Patreon, you know. And I, I find it kind of like cute. It kind of sounds patronizing, but like I find it quite cool to see these little like creators, like with like 40 people for like in their Patreon membership, like sharing their stuff, like you were saying, I think it's really, it's really cool in a way that I don't know, like 
you would see that before maybe with like places like Murphy's or people like little creators would put little effects on there, but they don't get any like traction. And like, it's not like they had much exposure. Yeah. <laughs> and like, now you have this like where, I don't know, you can watch a trick on Instagram that you're like, oh, wow, like this is this. Right. I guess one example is like recently is like Kieto Magic. I produced, like, I promoted some of his stuff. And he's just like a Japanese creator that doesn't even speak English. Right. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, like through this independent community, he's able to like subtitle his videos and he's got a little following on Patreon. And mm-hmm. like, it's just cool to see how much more attention like independent creators are getting in a way of like it it's like it's not like it's on it's either on Murphy's Vanishing or Penguin or Illusionist, I guess, like one of the big four, or it's nowhere, you know? It's it feels like there's a lot more room to like access great magic from independent creators in a way that hopefully like benefits them even more greatly than than releasing like a, a big effect through a big company. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think you make a valid point too in that um, this has kind of this has uh, kind of existed already, and that there has been opportunity for creators to just kind of really spontaneously, like even Penguin Magic has like a section, right? Like you know, people can really, really easily, yeah. um, but but that it wasn't, yeah, like I said, it wasn't marketed very well, it wasn't spotlighted. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think it's interesting as well, just like finding those parts of the community that also that I didn't like know existed. Like, because I, I feel like when you watch, I don't know, when you go on like uh, Magic Cafe or whatever, it can be quite like dis- disheartening. <laughs> You're like, is, is everyone in Magic like this? Or like even just like reading like some angry Facebook thread, you, you like you can't really quite seem to find your people. But it's yeah. been fascinating to me as I've started my own membership to find, like, because I don't know, I've always had the attitude of, like, sell something that I would want. And, like, it's really interesting to me when, like, I find people in that community where I'm like, oh, wow, like, you're <laughs> super cool. <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's like, not, I know that sounds like, it sounds like patronizing kind of rude, but I mean that in the way of, like, you know, it's like, you're a member and, like, you're a doctor that speaks Chinese and it's like volunteering at their local food like shelter like every week is you know it's like these are the sort of people that you just wouldn't expect when you're like go down a magic an angry magic cafe like mm-hmm. feed if you know what i mean i briefly interrupt this podcast to uh just share a little uh self-promotion with you if i could um if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now um, and you think that maybe you'd enjoy more of our content uh please head over to the dailymagician.com slash books there you'll find 24 classic magic books for free and you'll be signed up for our daily emails where you can hear and get more content just like this uh thank you very much for listening hope you enjoyed so far and uh, like i said that's the dailymagician.com slash books claim 24 classic magic books for free and you'll also uh, be getting daily contact from us with more incredible content just like this yeah, I mean, it's those spaces are not very conducive to community. Like even a lot of these Facebook groups there can be um, extremely hostile, um, yeah. and they're not conducive to community very much. And there's this culture in the magic industry that like um, puts some like puts certain magicians up on a pedestal and really knocks down others. 
Right. You know, and it's like, oh, you're a creator. I'm going to put you on a pedestal. Oh, you're a non-creator. I knock you down. Or, oh, you did this one thing on a pass. I'm going to knock you down. Right. Like, it's just really, like, you know, it falls into these extremes. So it's nice when, you know, there's space for community. There's so much more to see. And, you know, there's people in on my membership and people who um, even on my email list who, you know, reach out some often and tell their story. And this one guy, you know, he's a doctor, you know, he does magic as a, as a hobby, but he loves it. And he likes to mix in the artistic style a little bit and mm. feels it helps him meet um, his patients a little more directly, he could cater it a little bit more to them by kind of bringing that quality into it, of looking at the expressiveness of it, of looking at what it kind of communicates. Um, and that's so nice to hear stories like that. It's so inspiring to hear different stories like that, hear from different magicians. And it feels good to find that there are people out there like that. And it, yeah, it's, it's tricky right now. It's really tricky right now because, you know, there hasn't been this, this open communication in, in, in the magic community, I guess, in the sense of like, it's hard to find each other. It's like even just yes. finding effects. You only found effects through the companies and now you're only finding effects through these large like groups like the magic cafe or these these other things and so it's it's tricky it's, it's quite tricky and you know and we're <laughs> we're not a very large population in general right so it's already our yeah it makes it worse. Really. yeah yeah, there's no one in my town that does magic, you know <laughs> like right. I'm by far the only one so it's uh yeah, it's it's hard to even meet these people in person. So it's it's uh, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Um, like it's interesting to me because like I think sometimes I don't know. Being in the magic world, it feels like such a niche and something that people aren't. Sometimes to me, it feels like something that people aren't like interested in almost. But like I don't know. Like they they might have like heard of like David Blaine, and like they might like seeing a magic trick every now and then. But maybe it doesn't go beyond that. But then recently with like the rise of like. I guess again, past years, like the rise of like TikTok and just all of these companies, like, I don't know, YouTube Shorts, like, um, like Instagram Reels, you know, like all of the stuff that's come along with this kind of like rise of TikTok and like more compact media. It's kind mm -hmm. of like fascinating to me whenever I land on my own TikTok on like some like magic video and it has like 140 million views and like there's just like a bunch of people just like absolutely like raving about it. Like I, I find that uh, it, it, it like kind of shocks me. Like I, 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 I don't know. Like I don't know what I'm really asking, but I guess like, what do you think about that? And how do you think magic can become? More... I'm guessing that yeah. what you're pointing to is this kind of extreme of people either disinterested or they go all the way of like becoming like a full blown performer. Right. Not... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it seems like it's not. It feels. It seems like sometimes it's like polar. Always. Yeah. Well, the community is not conducive to anyone in between, right? It's, uh, it's not very kind to people, right? It's like, uh, it's like, oh, you're not good enough to, to hang out with us. We're going to criticize you strongly. And people are like, oh, fuck this. I don't want to be a part of this, you know? And they back out. Even us more, like, people who have been around but doing it professionally for a long time, you know, who who have established ourselves don't, don't even want to be in these social circles. Um so it's, I think it's hard to even notice these people because of that, you know? And I, I think that's the, where the kind of question comes from, but they, they definitely exist. 
They definitely exist. I get messages from time to time or emails from time to time from customers who are just like, I did a tiny bit of magic once, you know, when I was younger and yeah. I saw the ad and I came and I thought, oh, it'd be fun to learn this. So what do you think I should do? start with your projects? And it's just like, oh, cool. You know, like it's yeah. clear that they're very much just like bare bones hobbyists, just kind of enjoy it, you know, um, maybe show some stuff to their grandkids. And yeah. I just think that's awesome. Um, so I think they exist. I don't think there's a community or a platform for them. Yeah. How do you, if you had to solve that problem, like, where do you think you would start? All right. I mean, it's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, even like, that's an interesting business question as well, right? Because yeah. there's literally hundreds of millions of people, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Market. Yeah, like, that, and that's a huge market, right? Like, that's what right. interests me. And, and like, even YouTube channels, right? They'll have huge followings, like, which shocks yeah. me. Like you'll see like magic tutorial channels with like tens of millions of views on each on on each like clip. Yeah. You know? So that's probably the area. So that's the thing. What's a hobbyist in this sense? A hobbyist is someone who does it lightly, right? So they're Just not they're not diving down the rabbit hole looking for products, you know, looking for communities, engaging in that way. They're kind right. of they just want to learn yeah. something. Yeah, what comes easy? Yeah. Right. So YouTube is probably would probably be the best way to connect those people it's like regular tutorials on youtube mm -hmm. you know they don't necessarily want to invest a lot of money you know right up front you know yeah. i feel like you have to be kind of coerced into that but from the business perspective so from the community perspective it'd probably be a place easily accessible on a common platform um that teaches gives advice and does it in a way that's like clearly catered to beginners which, yeah. you know, is tricky because magicians are so used to talking to other magicians. So we use terms that we assume other magicians will know. We speak in that kind of way. So right. you'd have to almost create a community where you can say, yeah, you know, for this effect, it uses a double lift. For anyone who hasn't learned a double lift yet, a double lift is this. It's, you know, and mm -hmm. there was a video I did on it earlier. You should go check that out. You know, it's something that was like supporting people and, and taking these steps rather than making them feel isolated by coming into an environment where there's like, once again, magicians are establishing this huge gap of like, oh, are you an experienced magician? And right. we're gonna pull up on this pedestal, are you someone that doesn't know what they're talking about, who we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna like, treat like dirt. So tell you me, uh, what does it say on uh, page 57 <laughs> of Expert of the Card Table? And if yeah. you don't know, yeah. you're not in. Yeah, I haven't yeah. read Expert at the Card Table. No, I, I, I've, I've, got, I've gone through it. But I, I haven't read it in depth. <laughs> I'm totally not one of the, I'm like one of these magicians that if most of these magicians really got to know me, they'd hate me. I mean, like, I, I don't, <laughs> I haven't read that many books. Like, I just, you know, just not this stereotypical ideal of a magician. Um, and I'm not so great in my history. I try to be because I think crediting is important. I really do. Right. And, um, but, you know, so I, I, learn the history of the effects that I use, but I'm not, I'm not kind of going out there learning all this stuff. I, it's just kind of extreme. And maybe if I did, I would, I would, uh, find myself m more connected with some of these more patronizing, uh, elitists, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> Why am I not doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because like 
like for instance, like we did the three hundred sixty eight magic book project, right? Where we, I, where I read like ninety one classic magic books, and I went through them and I wrote commentaries. Mm-hmm. Are you about to patronize them? No, I, yeah. <laughs> I, what, what I was gonna say is like it's interesting because like I enjoyed doing that like by myself, like for mm-hmm. fun. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, like I'm reading through instead of this like religious adherence almost, you know, where it's like, yeah, oh, if yeah. you don't do uh, Divergence method for the double turnover, <laughs> who the freak are you? You know, it's like if, instead of like I don't know, like a lot of those books I was just reading through, and I was like, that's honestly like completely useless now. But it sounds fun, you know. It's like that—that that was like a cool parlor trick, like in the eighteen hundreds. But like, it's fun, you know. Like I, I don't know, like it, that. But it doesn't need to be more than that. Like sometimes, you know, it's just like it was almost—it's almost like reading a history book, you know, where it's like, oh, that's that's kind of funny that they believed that, <laughs> you know. But yeah. like, but like, it doesn't need to be like, you don't. It doesn't need to. Some things don't need to be brought back, you know. And I, I feel like a lot of the time, like in the magic community were like so desperate to like bring back to some like i guess like any community right like everyone thinks that like the time before was better and they're constantly trying to like search for it but like kind of like we talk about a lot right like the present is all that matters and i feel like a lot of the time like mm-hmm. i don't know and, and i feel like there is a balance right there is a balance between like trying to tell new people that like this really is an art like when done right and, but also including them where they can just have fun. Because that's what magic really was for me when I was younger. Like, I grew up learning magic from YouTube. Like, Miss mm-hmm. Mag was, like, how I got into magic. It's, like, a magic YouTube <laughs> Miss Mag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean? But, like, that's so, like, hated on in, like, this I higher know. circle. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, a YouTube magician? It's like, oh, I learned from, so I learned from YouTube. I learned from yeah. YouTube primarily. I, I'm a I'm a video learner. Like I learn from videos. I don't read books. I've uh, I have dyslexia, and I sometimes really struggle with reading books. And so I love videos. I do I do really well with videos. And a lot of times, you know, it's you can get your hands on these DVDs and stuff like that. And I you know I watch New York Coin Magic seminars and the European mm-hmm. Coin Magic symposiums and um, all these different things, Card College and all this. But YouTube is just right there. It's such all an right. easy one. It's free. yeah Yeah. i think it's an interesting question though i I think there's definitely some room there for in fact because i i won't go too much into it because i don't want anyone to steal my idea before i can do it but (laughs) um i thought it would i always thought it'd be kind of interesting to make a product that was like i don't want to be a magician like i just want to learn a trick like and that was the point of the product it's like listen like one move like one routine like this is just so you can get up and like impress your friends it's not about this is not going to be the most artsy routine and like it's in purposely not right but like this is just for people that are like you know card magic sounds cool i want to know a trick you know Mm -hmm. but illusionist is doing that they're being like the kit now like the magic kit right like they're taking this classic idea of like the magic kit you buy for kids and they're repackaging it and marketing it towards adults and their ads are pushing in ways that like people are seeing that like become a magician they're showing these cool guys who are older you know dad bods out there at bars doing a little trick for someone and it's just like so that that's that's being done that that market's uh being tapped right now i don't know how well they're doing with it um but uh but it's happening 
So, I mean, that's an interesting thing. And those tricks are easy. Those tricks are like, you know. Like legit easy. Yeah, they're trying to find (laughs) hard-hitting, super easy. You know, here's a toy, basically. Yeah. Like, it's a toy that people are going to love. And, uh, yeah, that's happening. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's just interesting because, like, it's funny. Like, it's like Benji and me were talking, like, just even, like, I don't know, like, two months after he'd been kind of, like, out of the scene for a bit because he'd been volunteering in Macedonia for a while. And he was like, dude, like, because before we were so, like, we were, <laughs> we were like, memorized deck. And I still do think the memorized deck is the best tool of magic. But we were like, how can we become David Blaine as fast as possible? You know, like, that, that was like, that was like the goal, you know? It's like, how can we put the least amount of effort in and get like maximum results as quick as possible, you know? And it's like, I think it was just funny, like, stepping back, because like, that was kind of one of the original reasons that we didn't even start, like, coin magic and then when we finally got into it we kind of got into it in a way of like shiny object syndrome where it's like oh well this won't have all the problems of card magic with the community and whatever and it's just more like self-expressive and fun and it is in a way because it is like a little bit smaller and more it is more fun in a way because it's not not the same debates over things but i think it's been interesting like when we were having this conversation here it's like you know like dude magic's just like it's just fun like yeah. <laughs> like we just need to like calm down a little bit you know it's like right. when you when you step outside it for a second it's like it's just fun like it's just like it's good like it, it, i don't know it's like it's just yeah. and, and not good, yeah go ahead this a good segue in that like we can sit here and we could talk about all the things that are wrong with the community um right. but you know complaining only has a place if it's it to look at what can we do better right, right. and like that's it right there is just like make it more fun and we does not take it so serious we don't need a bunch of zealots you know like in the magic community yeah. just like calm down doesn't have to be so rigid let's appreciate people who are hobbyists and people who want to explore it as an art they both yeah. have their place magic can just bring joy to people it's a wonderful thing and and that would be the view and then how do we create communities that are based around that you know and i mean you, you and I, we're, we're not just complainers. We each are trying to do exactly yeah. that. You, your membership, right, I exactly. have one membership. And, you know, we've talked about these things. Of how do we make it? How do we make a supportive community within Magic? So I think there are more creators like ourselves who are doing this. And it's just naturally the direction that um, things will go in. I really, I really think that. And I think that's almost a natural byproduct of all these uh, independent creators establishing memberships. Sure. You know? Um, no one's going to pay for such a membership that is uh, uh, like Toxic, a magic yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or at least a, hopefully a small number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. That that's actually it's actually a really good point, and I think it's actually interesting as well. Like when you speak to people that are like proper, <laughs> we'd say in English, proper magicians, and we say in England, like where they're like real pros, you know, like they they're not they don't take magic half as seriously as like i think the people that kind of like look up to them think that they do do you know what i mean like in the way of like they feel like they're defending their honor like yeah. when they're like do you know what i mean but but actually those magicians that like the real like working magicians that have like really created and written a lot most most what well, well, not all i have met some that that break the rule but like most are just like 
like I said, just like it for the fun. And they're like, if you take magic too seriously, then in fact, they'll be put off by that more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, technically I fall into that classification. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, so I guess I could speak to it uh, first from a first person perspective of like, for me, it is very much for the fun. And even still, I would say like at times I felt really serious about certain things. Right. Like, um, there was a time not too long ago where I felt like the community should almost be separated into those who want to explore magic as an art and those who want to explore it as a hobby. But it was right. just because when I get into the artistic side of things, people just go, that just doesn't matter. Spectators don't even notice that. It's irrelevant. And it's just like, okay, you guys need your own space. Because <laughs> like, right. yes, like you can, you can, not apply these psychological principles and all these kind of subtleties um, and just do this and get a good reaction. And that's great as a hobbyist. And art can change the texture of an environment in the way that experience wonder is perceived. And there are subtlety to that. And it's you almost need a different space to talk about those things. Mm. Um, because when you get into that degree of subtlety with people, who just want the hobby, they just, it feels like too much for them. They're just like, whoa, I just need to learn some moves and some things. Because you have to start as a hobby before you can get into the art. You have to understand the basics, like a double lift and a pass. And, you know, you don't get into all of this, the, you know, psychological qualities of scripting and tension and relaxation and proper motivation and all these things that increase your, um, make your misdirection smoother. These things Mm -hmm. that, you know, allow the spectator to really relax into that state of wonder. Um, these things come after you've learned the bare bones and the bare bones is the hobby side of things. So there has to also be spaces. Otherwise, like a conflict kind of naturally occurs. Right. Right. What, what would you, how would you like, cause I, I'm actually just like struggling myself now when I'm trying to phrase it because it's like, it's like a, duality like you were saying like how do you just to say that magic is fun and not to take it too seriously while at the same time saying like but magic is art and should be in in and in the in the right place like you, you know what i'm trying to say like like how do you how do you maintain both viewpoints and not get too rigid and serious like and stay yeah. well, magic calling it fun but but at the same time well, explore the yeah, art magic is Magic is fun. And then where are we looking at art as like something that's almost opposite of that? And I think the reason why is in art, there must be the discovery of pain. Um, That's a necessary part of art. You have to look at as an individual, what is it I'm expressing? And you have to be able to embody it genuinely. Otherwise, spectator looks at you and it doesn't come off as authentic. It looks like this forced character in it. It just doesn't land. Because you're trying to, in the same way that two people meet socially in the way that I'm holding myself, you feel that. You either like that person, you don't like that person, you feel inspired by that person, you feel this by that person. The way they show up has an effect on us. In art, we have this, we can have this flexibility in the way that we show up, in the way that we express, this kind of expressive social power in a way, mixed with magic, this thing that can pull the rug out from underneath you and give you a fresh perspective give you this sense of impossibility. So these things kind of come together in a way that can be 
uh, transformational. But we as the artists had to be able to show up genuinely to do that, to be able to meet these different characters. So we could find that embodiment in myself. Oh, I want to express this kind of emotion or this type of mystery. Well, can you find that in yourself? Can you find the longing for that? Are you just trying to copy somebody else? Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to mimic the things which won't come off genuine? Or are you seeing where that longing comes from in yourself? Are you seeing, oh, that's here's where that, that place is in my heart and then meeting it genuinely. And that takes work. It takes work to really look at the bare bones of who we are and what we're trying to express. And when we are getting that deep into our being, we meet some other things that have been buried. You know, it's hard to show up genuinely and authentically present all the different parts of ourselves in an artistic manner. Uh, We have so many parts of ourselves that we exile as human beings, especially magicians, this archetype who saw wonder and set out to kill it. Right. And it's like, oh, well, amazement, the experience of unknown and mystery. And rather than just enjoy that, we go, I need to know how it's done. It's like there's such a type of insecurity there, an inability to not know, this fixating on knowing, of being something, being the possessor of that situation. So we all have this kind of insecurity in ourselves, this lack of self-worth, and all human beings have some sense of lack of self-worth, right? It's there in certain contexts and situations. But um, magicians are kind of sensitive in this way that is directly related to expressiveness, or many are right? And wanting praise. So that has to kind of be explored from the artistic perspective. So there's pain here. There is something that's kind of serious in a way, but it can be approached gently and with a sense of self, with a sense of humor, basically, you know, we can look at ourselves and go, oh, look, I have, I have this neurosis or that's keeping me from expressing this in this genuine way that I want to show up in my art, you know, or whatever it may be. And we don't have to punish ourselves for that. We can go, oh, I have neurosis, like other human beings. We can have a sense of humor about it. We can have a sense of playfulness with ourselves, of exploring that pain and working with it. Um, So it doesn't have to be so serious in this fixed sense, but it's a different kind of work, the uh, artistic side of things versus the, um, you know, the, the hobby side of things. And... I feel like this is kind of vague, so maybe we can give a more specific um, example of what I mean by this type of genuineness and authenticity when showing up. Mm-hmm. So let me think of a, so I have a routine, it's called Through Time, and Through Time is a, a time travel piece, and I try to really embody the sense of what it would be like to experience time travel. And I had to sit down, I had to think it through, and I had to, you know, show up in this way that this character who experiences time travel at one point, and I had to look around and look shocked. I had to, like, meet a sense of childlike wonder in myself, this sense of, whoa, did we just jump through time? Because if you do it in a believable way, people feel it. It's like when you see a really good movie and it pulls you in, you have that sense of immersion, and you almost, like, are scared that the character's in this situation, and then you really... Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm just watching a movie. <laughs> this, is, this, this isn't real. You know, like yeah. as magicians, we can, we can act in that way, right? That really allows people to feel like they're, they're in it. And that can be really powerful. And that can make our presentation and the social side of our relationship within the magic 
you know, that much more palpable, that much more expressive. And in that expressiveness, we can transmit something, you know, whatever it may be. And, uh, but to show up in that way, to meet those kinds of emotions in ourselves, those characters in ourselves, to be genuinely allow ourselves to be that way confidently, because we have to show up confidently. If we don't show up confidently, um, they'll witness the internal conflict in ourselves. They'll see that we don't trust ourselves experiencing that way. So why should they trust themselves experiencing it that way? And this is something that comes off in the kind of bare bones of the experience of wonder. If you can't allow yourself to experience wonder, but you try to embody a sense of wonder within a magic trick, that feeling, and the spectator can see that you're not authentic in it, they can see that you have a mistrust of that state of not knowing, that state of mystery, then why are they going to have, why should they trust it? But if you can embody a sense of trust in not knowing, that you could do a trick and be a character that like basically embodies a sense of, I don't know. It's just, it's just wild. Reality is wild. Experience is, is wild. You know, it gives somebody a sense of, oh, if they can trust that part of myself, I can trust that part of myself. Right. So you have to be able to meet these parts with uh, these emotions with confidence or even just the bare bones experience of wonder with confidence. Can you as a person rest in a state of not knowing confidently? Because if you can't and that shows up in the way you are, well, you're transmitting to the spectator that you're communicating to the spectator. That's not an experience to be trusted. Well, we want them to trust that. We want them to trust the experience of not knowing. We want them to relax into that. And for us to do that work, it takes work. We have to look at what are all my blockages that keep me from embodying an experience of, I don't know, an experience of mystery, an experience of openness. You know, these states of, um, of mind that are almost necessary in magic for the spectator to really experience the, the sense of wonder, the sense of mystery. What are the the blockages that keep us from embodying it? You know, and that's that's uh, there's a lot there because that space of openness, that experience of not knowing, is vulnerable. And if we have pain, we're afraid to be vulnerable, right? Uh, so then we have to meet that pain, and we have to be willing to be vulnerable with that pain. So you start to see here, as an artist, we have to we have to meet pain so that we can embody the vulnerability so that we can embody openness and wonder so that we can be as an example, this person who's confidently allowing ourselves to not know, to look out, experience mystery and just appreciate it and therefore transmit to the spectator that they too can do it confidently. They're not alone. You can relax. You don't have to hold on so tightly. I feel like I said the same thing like 20 different ways there, kind of, you know, very <laughs> no, good They'll all speak to, to a different personality type, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's just how I process. That's like ADHD brain, how you process. You like talk about it from this angle and then that angle and then this angle and then that angle. Wait, that angle was the same as the previous angle. You just said that, Danny. <laughs> no no it's really good I, I i guess what i'm thinking about for me is like and again thank you for that i don't want to undermine it by asking a stupid question um but like i can see that more well the last bit i can see for, for all of magic but like for instance when you use your example of, of your routine like 
the traveling through time routine. I can definitely see that self-expression there. But I find it hard for myself, right, when I'm thinking about like a memdeck routine <laughs> for mm-hmm. how to how to incorporate that. You know, and, and like I guess that's maybe obviously just shows like a weakness on my point and a lack of experience probably as well. But I I also find it like how like I don't know, let's say for instance like a double lift routine. Like how do you put or is that the difference, right? Like is that not yeah. is that is that just the hobbyist part, you know? Like that that's I, I guess I'm just trying to think of how I would do and that. This myself. is where it's it's even before presentation. It's like let's say I'm just doing an ambitious card routine, right? Card goes in the middle and jumps to the top. Am I holding an air and personality of aha, can you tell how I did it? Or am I holding an air of appreciation of mystery and the sense that is a little more humble, a little bit more open? Mm. That so it's is just more looking of an attitude. You. Right, right. Am I than, showing than actual action? An, right. Am I showing it to you as an offering to go, hey, look, here's this experience of mystery, of openness, of, of beauty that is magic? Or am I showing it to you from a place of, oh, look at how great I am? Right? Right. And the artist can't take the artist has it make it creates something that expresses something to someone else. So they have to be aware of how, what they're communicating at this emotional level, which means they have to be aware of their motivations, right? And that that means getting into oneself, right? And that means exploring some pain because a lot of times we don't have the the best motivations for why we why we perform, you know. Um, sometimes it is about us. It's all about us. And that's okay. It's not wrong with that. You want to go out? You want praise? You want people tell you you're awesome? Go for it. I mean, you know, that's that's all right. I, I don't think it really brings one happiness to seek validation through others, but if that's what you want, go for it. You know, I don't think that's art, though. I wouldn't call that art. That's so interesting as well because it kind of eliminates the... Um... Uh, thanks, by the way, because I think this is the first time I've actually got it. And I, I kind of need to write it down almost so I can <laughs> I can write it in my chat so that I don't forget. <laughs> like, attitude over action, I suppose, is maybe like a good way to surmise it for myself to try and remember. Like, it's like a, the, the attitude to it rather than the actual... Because I don't know, I, I was always thinking like, oh, it's my script that's going to make it art. You know, it's like, which is all uh-huh. part of it, but right, like, right. it's from that yeah, place. It. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's cohesive with it. But it's not like if I write a script to try and like make it artsy, but I'm still producing it from that place of like, oh, I'm gonna wreck the spectator and fool them, then it's not it's not the same thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's use an example though. Like, give me a give me an experience. Give me a a um a performance, a trick, a mem deck trick. Yeah. So like, there's like a really simple one where basically like you're gonna hand out packets of cards. Right, so like you, you have like five spectators, and you hand out, you have them pick out packets of cards. You like shuffle the deck, have them pick out packets of cards, um, mm-hmm. and then in the one that I do, I have them pick a card in their mind. Like each person picks a card in their mind, and then I eliminate the cards that they're holding until they're just holding their one chosen card for each Sorry, spectator. What? Yeah, so you they pick out packets, they mm-hmm. pick a card from that packet, like three, four different spectators, and then uh-huh. I eliminate cards they're holding until they're mm-hmm. left with only their chosen card right yeah so i would look at like what's their experience there what are they going to project onto that situation 
Like, they're sitting here, they're watching this, they have a narrative about, well, how is he doing that? And they could spin a whole bunch of different thoughts and ideas, but if you can take one of those and kind of almost distill it to one idea that they can then relate to and feel the quality of, you know, that's more palpable for them. That's more powerful for them. It gives them something to kind of relate to within this sense of mystery. So like, here I am, you just handed me a chunk of cards, told me to pick one amongst it, and then you're eliminating cards, right? Like yeah. I could sit here and think, how is he, how is he doing this? You know, how is he like, and maybe you just, just go ahead. I want you to think of a, an emotional relationship with with that card, look at that card and find some symbolism within that number, that letter, whatever it is, that suit, feel that emotion, you know, and then you just like look at them, you know, and start pulling out cards. It just gives them something to anchor the experience to. It's, it almost expresses this kind of, uh, you're discovering their card through empathy, right? Cause it's yeah. like, what are you doing? Are you, cause like, what's the, what are you doing? Are you, okay. Yeah. You found their card. How'd you find their card? Is it right. through, like, we know how you found your third card, right? In yeah, memorize <laughs> In the magical sense, like, are you reading their mind? Are you reading their thoughts? Are you, you know, did you, uh, you know, like, what's, what is happening? Do you go back in time and walk behind them and, and look at the, you know, uh, do you leave your body and go behind them and look when they pick their card out? You know, <laughs> that's like absurd, but, you know, you can. You know, um, yeah, yeah, my immediate thought, like when you were talking about that, and I don't know, this is just, but my immediate thought was like when you were talking about just like them making an association with it, like an interesting power mm -hmm. I was thinking about was like, um, almost like, you know how you have some memories that always like stick out, like, and there's other mm -hmm. memories that kind of like fade from view, almost like, yeah. like they connect with that one card and it's almost like the other cards are like these memories that just like fade I don't know. That that was just like my initial thought it was kind of be interesting. That's and like beautiful. that one's the right. strong. That's great. You go and I want you to link this card to an important memory in your life. Right. Yeah. And as we eliminate these other ones, these are things that are maybe not so pleasurable. Things that don't yeah. really matter anymore. You start tossing them aside. Right. Yeah. And so they're left with this one card that's their card. There's a beauty in that. Not only are you doing something impossible, you are it's almost like a guided meditation for them to right. appreciate the things that matter in their lives and let go of the things that don't. And if you did that without a magic trick, it's, it's weird. It, or it can be, if you know the right setting. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, not the right setting. But in a magic trick, you're invoking this sense of wonder. And that sense of wonder is a sense of openness. It's open to not knowing, right? And not knowing is a type of openness in itself. So it's really this feeling of, of openness, right? And openness towards an experience like that, that they're holding in their mind is the way that they create deeper relationship with themselves, right? So like art is focusing on the spectator's experience. That's, that's really the difference here. It's really looking at these subtleties of the spectator's experience and building routines around transmitting something, mm. right? So it can go into presentation like this. You know, it, um, there's ways to take something as simple as this and really dive into it like so. But that's actually, I actually think it's a really fun idea. I think you should try it. But, yeah, um, I will. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but it can also just be an attitude. But your attitude comes out through what you say. And everything you say is an expression of, of your attitude or your 
role within that relationship. And your role within that relationship is going to inform what their role in that relationship is. You know, so are you just this person who's sitting there telling them what to do and then going, oh, look, there's an experience. There's not much there for them socially and emotionally within that dynamic. It doesn't imply anything, right? Right. So there's just nothing but this moment of mystery, this moment of I don't know. And that's great. But that's a hard thing for someone to hold on to. It's just, oh, moment of impossibility. But a moment of impossibility rooted and almost anchored to something personal. Right. Right. That's powerful. Like I could just show you some coin effects. That's great. But if I give you a feeling as if you traveled through time, you know, not just did something that you go, oh, that was an impossible. You did an impossible thing. But like you had a feeling like you traveled through time, which is what I was going for with the through time effect. Rather than you watching a coin go back in time at the end, you feel like you went back in time. You know, yeah. that it's personal then, right? It's really about their experience. So that's the difference, I think. And this, like, you know, I have a project that focuses all entirely on this, not to just like plug my project, but uh, Mythos. <laughs> Mythos mm-hmm. focused entirely on this. Mythos is all about magic um, as art versus magic as a hobby. We, you know, dove into, we, we really went down the, <laughs> down the rabbit hole of wonder in that project and what is actually happening in the mind and, uh, talked about the psychology of it all and even went into the neuroscience of it and neuroscience right. of creativity and stuff. But um, that whole project is dedicated to to that whole way of thinking and trying to create a solid instructional video that really um, expresses those things. So if you guys are interested in some coin stuff, check that one out and this topic, then definitely check that out. Yeah, freak, man. I forgot people are listening for a second. I, I feel like I'm getting a one-on-one session. <laughs> They're like, who? Me? I've already got it, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We always converse so easily. We always, we, we always get in like, just like, we should do these more often. I, I like, yeah. this is just like fun for me. And uh, it reconnects me to magic because it's so much of what I see is these Facebook groups and these things, you know, we're on the right. internet all yeah. the time. And it's just like, colors my experience of magic and industry sometimes in a not so good way that it's like these things bring it all back to life so anytime you want to have me feel free yeah i was gonna say like if if you guys enjoy this send us an email either send it to danny or send it to me um because i was thinking this this could definitely be a regular segment where it's just like two friends talking about so because i i personally enjoy podcasts like this like yeah. people, like I listen to business podcasts just like this, where it's just two people bringing up random ideas, throwing them out there, like letting other people use them. And mm-hmm. I personally find it entertaining. Um, so maybe I'm being uh, egotistical to think other people might find us entertaining. Definitely Danny, but myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if people do enjoy it, please reach out to us because we can definitely, well, maybe we'll just make more for the, the art sake. But uh, <laughs> we definitely like to hear what you, have to say, what, what you think. Um. But yeah, on all those lines, I had a, I had a good question, but then I forgot. Oh yeah, um, I guess it's a good thing, right? That means you were lost in what the other person was saying. Um, yeah, I was just thinking. You do say that I, I've heard you say in the past. I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. Like you know, like you don't know how long maybe you'll stay in magic. You know, like maybe once your work's done with coin yeah. magic, you might move away. What? How come you don't? I guess <laughs> other than you know, let's take out of it like having a kid and money I don't want <laughs> yeah. my career yeah <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it is how I make money right now. And yeah. I still have uh, I still have ideas that I love that I want to get out there, routines I created that I uh, want to put in a project and other things that I, you know, I have a whole project. Uh, I've written out a lot of it. I've, I've re like I really put so much planning into some of my projects and this one is really take a deep dive into scripting and teaching about scripting and storytelling and different thing, uh, ways of kind of um, helping the spectator let go of grasping at method that's gently implied in the scripting. Scripting that is almost subliminal in kind of invoking the state of wonder and uh, priming them for it so that they can fall even deeper into it when those magical moments hit. Mm. So I want to, um, I want to get that out because I, I mean, I put so much work into these things. I love this art form. I do. Um, I almost no longer feel the need or at this point in my life, I don't feel the need to be the person who invokes the state in others. Um, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> get really personal with it, which is that I'm a I'm a human being with a trauma, and I, I'm healing from that trauma, and uh, working with these parts of my mind always. And a big part of why I love magic in the beginning was the praise. It was the sense of like, oh look, I feel worthy in the eyes of others, you know. And for me, I'm trying to get out of that habit of seeking validation from other people. You know, and as much as I really focus on magic and how I can make it an art form and really invoke a sense of beautiful experience within others rather than, hey, look at me, look how great I am, it still has these qualities of validation in it. It still is kind of um, qualities of if I can invoke that state in others, people will think I'm amazing. Right? So it's like, right. it still finds its way. The <laughs> ego knows how to appropriate everything towards itself. But, um, right. and it's really strong within magic because there's something naturally, um, almost disingenuous and disingenuine about, um, magic because you aren't genuinely doing this right you're creating this thing that makes it too easily for someone to wrestle with of like you know oh, that's not you didn't really make the card rise to the top right. you didn't really make the card float or the coin float or and it's like no of course not you know it's like but <laughs> we're just yeah. playing and i try to you know script my presentations and everything in this way that makes it feel you know makes it clear that like i'm not claiming any of this stuff is real but there is this dynamic of I'm on the other side, you know, and there's something about that, that, that there's always this subtle conflict within magic. And there's nothing wrong with that. None, none of this is the reason why I think somebody should not do magic. I think it's just me personally. Um, I'm, I would love to take a bigger step back away from, from this social dynamic of being in this 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 role where I have the power. I almost want to be in roles where I listen more to people and there's more social situations where I can just shut up and practice humility and, uh, and not be the center of attention. And, and mostly for my own personal healing, but also there's a part of me that finds that 
that in itself can invoke um, similar states of awareness in others, similar states of openness in others. Mm. You know, my, my thing that I love most about magic is the state of openness it invokes in somebody and the immense joy from that kind of openness. It's, it's wonderful. It, it is a powerful thing. And that can be, you know, when somebody meets us in a way where they are just open to what we have to to say, you know, someone's um, really there with us, yeah. you know, they're really listening to us. They're very reflective of what's going on. And we start to feel safe around this person. We feel good about being in their presence. We naturally open that this state of wonder is a natural state of human existence. And if we feel safe enough to abide there, most of the time where we're grasping at things in life, you know, we're very, we like to know more, want to know this, know that, know this, interact with that, interact with this. We forget to slow down and stop and every once in a while come back to the fundamental ground of not knowing, the space of openness again. And uh, it's nice when we meet somebody who invites us back into that place just by their calm sense of being. And uh, I'd like to embody that more in my life. So that's that's a big part of the reason, really. Um, just not throwing myself in the spotlight so much. Because uh, <laughs> then I really... I really have to work with this part of myself that seeks validation. If I'm having to constantly, constantly throw myself into the spotlight, whereas I could just bypass the whole thing <laughs> by not putting myself into that dynamic, you know. But at the same time, here I am. This is my life. This is my career. It's what I'm doing right now. And it's a reminder in ways, and this is something I'm coming to terms with, is that it doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't have to fall into that extreme of I have to quit magic so that I can, um, you know, seek validation less. Right. Um, I can just keep doing the work to, you know, stop seeking validation so much and trust in my own goodness. And at times, yeah, and, and I could have relationships in many moments in life where I do just hang out with people and just listen. And maybe I only perform in situations where it's invited or, you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I think I, you know, we all tend to swing to extremes, right? It's pendulum quality of things. And um, that's, I think, a natural process of growth. We do this, we go, oh, I don't want to do that. And we swing to this other extreme and then, you know, kind of do our swing back and forth. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever really quit magic. Yeah, I I like what you said. I like everything you said. And I, I thought it was interesting when you talked about this kind of like need for validation and like the importance of like moving away from that. Cause I find that uh, like the other, the other week, my email list like completely broke. Right. And like, it, it was actually kind of um, uh, shocking for me in a way actually to realize like just how much I depended on that for like my own validation <laughs> like mm. you were saying like it was really interesting like i don't know like i was like at the gym right i was like working out and i was starting to realize like i'd be telling myself like these like fake false narratives like where i'm like oh like dude 
got my email list, you know, like I'm 22, I'm this young entrepreneur. Like if people knew, man, they'd be so impressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's yeah. like, you know, like, dude, like I'm so different from everyone else. Like I never went to college, but I'm so successful. Oh, wow, wow, wow. You know, like, just a stupid narrative. And like, I don't know, like not, not intentional. Like, you know, it's like subconscious. Like it's just a way to like boil yourself up when you're feeling down. Is it? I don't know. We I don't all, think it was it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like really fascinating to me when like i when the email is broke because i was like suddenly i was like swimming i was working out and i was like that narrative that i used to boil myself up and make myself feel cool and good was suddenly like undermined in a way like there was a moment where i was like oh maybe i won't ever have the email list again you know maybe i will have to start from scratch and like build myself back <laughs> up again which obviously even that was not quite true <laughs> but i found it just kind of really fascinating to be to just like take a step back and be like you know like those on now i've really been enjoying my meditation practices recently um especially this like idea of like well like kind of like the central idea i suppose of, of a lot of meditation which is like there is a you between thought and like tapping into that you that exists like independent of thought and action and day-to-day -day mm. processes and like finding that true self that that like higher self right and I, I don't know, I, I suddenly just had this realization of like, um, you know, like, that's what I need to fall back on when I feel down, you know, like, that's what yeah. I need to fall back on when I when I feel like, or when I want to buoy myself up, right? You know, when I'm at the gym, and I want to make myself feel good, I'm like, oh, I'm working out, you know, it's like, when I go into that place, I just want to go into a place of more like, you know, like, I have inherent worth, like, I am something more right. than my actions and more than my thoughts. And more than where I live and am born or whatever. And I, I guess the, to bring this back to magic, um, or maybe it doesn't need to be, but to bring it back to what you were saying is like, I think oftentimes like magic can be like that where it's like, oh, like I need to go out and get my hit. You know, I need to get my like dose of like people watching me and people thinking that I'm cool and me knowing more than them. Yeah. But that isn't a healthy place to be. And, and it's also very, which is why people are scared, I guess, magicians when they don't know how something's done. Because suddenly they lose yeah. that sense of superiority sometimes suddenly they lose that like mm -hmm. ego <laughs> that they is, built up for themselves right and this that's exactly it is our self-worth is based off of external phenomena and grasping at this and grasping at right. that and if we as the magician can embody with confidence a state of not knowing right. this very like innocent open state which is so hard because so opposite so opposite to what we right. think we're doing. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. But if we can, then we could transmit to the spectator that it's safe for them to do the same, right? And I, so it, yeah, it totally ties in. But yeah, it's tough. It's 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 hard work, and it's it's like a it's continual work. It takes a lot. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we said we go for an hour, and maybe it's good because we will definitely go for longer. Um, before we finish, um, I'm going to be promoting, sounds so, before we finish, please buy something from us. No, um, before we finish, <laughs> um, I should say like over the next few days, like Danny's going to be, we're going to be doing a promotion with a, I, we, I won't name the discount because we haven't decided on it officially and I don't want to hold Danny to anything. Um, but we're going to be doing, uh, some sort of discount, um, for, his new products that he just got off um illusionist if you've enjoyed what we've talked about if you enjoyed hearing danny's philosophy and his way of doing magic you're definitely going to love those projects they have a really cool setting as well 
Um, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Let me actually tell him. Let me tell him about yeah, it. Yeah, please. So yeah, you know, speaking in terms of not trying to find our self worth from external phenomena, these <laughs> projects will give you a sense of self worth. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> no the only way is to trust oneself and be the person who you know we had to find that place a confidence in ourselves but um anyways uh yeah these projects so yeah illusionists you know they reached out to me they saw my work years back and they uh they reached out and they said hey you know we'd love to really help you release some of this this stuff and we'll fly you anywhere in the world you want to go to do it. And I said, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to release a project through Illusionist. And they're going to fly me to Nepal. And then I'm going to go on <laughs> pilgrimage while I'm there. Because I'm, I'm a Buddhist, right? So I'm like going to, you know, for the next two weeks after we filmed, I went on a spiritual pilgrimage and visited all the beautiful sacred places. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. So like, I was so stoked though to do all of this and it was great and I did it and I filmed these two projects with them, Silversmith and Voyage. And there was a third one I was supposed to, I filmed with them and we never released and the files got corrupted. Um, and uh, that will maybe get released one day. I'll, I have Ooh. to refilm it. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, uh, that's, that also, will be you own the rights to that too? You can actually release that finally? Yes, yes. Nice. Yeah, well, that's where I go with the story. So, uh, so yeah, I released these projects on Illusionist, and you know they they're a big match company. They promote it, they market it for a few days, right? Uh, maybe a week, mm-hmm. and then that's it. They're on to the next product. And first of all, you only get twenty five percent as a creator, which to some that's perfect. You got your product on one of these large sites. A lot of people saw it. You collected twenty five percent. You made a bunch of money. It was, you know, it's great. Not knocking it. It's perfect for some people. For me, who wanted to make a career out of selling and teaching magic, it was so much less than I thought I was going to make. And it very quickly became even less because they don't market those products. So they, you know, they market them and then they're on to the next one. So I sat in the back of the site and I collected pennies every month. But I was in a contract for, you know, five years. They owned these and I can't teach those effects anywhere else, right? And then after the five years are out, you get the ability, you can choose to keep it up on Illusionist and continue to collect 25%, or you get your intellectual property back, which means you can now teach those effects, but you have to re-record them and all of that because they own the video files. And then because they own the video files continuously, they can, they can continue to sell those and take full profit. You oh, wow. just get your intellectual property back. You no longer collect the 25% and then you could re-record them and sell them on your own, right? Now, that was the original contract. It's not fixed. Illusionist is a, it's a company made up of human beings who are uh, willing to work with you. So uh, I reached out to them after a few years because I was, you know, had my products on my store. And meanwhile, here's these other two products. They're just sitting on this in illusionist in the back of the site in the shadows. I'm just like, it hurts. It hurts that these things that I, these pieces of work I created are just, there they are. So I reached out to uh, Garrett and uh, I had a call with him and I said, hey man, this is how I feel. 
And I expressed it just how I said to you guys, like this sitting in the shadows and this the kind of just pain and sadness that I had around that. And he's like, well, man, if you want, and we could just end the ground tracks early. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. You know, like, it's like, if you're doing better selling them on your site and like, you know, then awesome. Like you should, you know, cool. And then like, he said, you know what? We'll even, we'll sell you, we'll sell you uh, these if you want the videos. I said, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. He's, he's like, how much, uh, you know, what would, what would be good for you? And I gave him a price and he said, cool, that sounds good. <laughs> like, it was so simple. And I paid them the amount to get these projects, um, the actual videos. So and then they removed them from their site they discontinued them. So then they were available only exclusively through my site now. And in two days, I made back the money I paid them to get those projects. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's, you know, I sold them and in two days I made that money back and now I continue to make money off them. So for business wise, it was a great choice, but also it just feels so good to have all of my work in one place on my site. These are two of my best projects. I mean, they're filmed from Nepal, beautiful filming work, you know, live performances, me going out and performing for the Nepalese people. And it's just a great project. Some of my best content it re really are absolutely wonderful projects. It feels so good to have them back in my presence and, um, you know, under my, my name and be able to sell them. Um, so yeah, that's Silversmith and Voyage. And it also feels so good to have worked with illusionists. They were perfect for what, for me, you know, at the time they, uh, right. got my name out there to more people and they were just so great to work with and getting, you know, working with me and being flexible. And so in the end, I had a great experience with them. Um, it was all, it was all wonderful. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's the story. Uh, I could dive into what's on these projects, but that I mean, it's a long list. It's easier to just go go watch the trailers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think the trailer could say it better than, uh, than 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 than. Well, it's it's a trailer, right? It's it's like you were saying, it's visual. It's uh, you, you, yeah. can, you can feel it, you can see it. <laughs> but they they really are cool. Like, wait, just go watch. Um, what's the trick called when you? Uh, Coincast. Oh yeah, Coincast yeah. is like the signature effect of Silversmith. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was the first. Um, it's the first version of a crazy man's handcuffs with coins. That's so ever been. Benji uh, showed it to uh, me when we were about to have you on the podcast before we knew each other or anything, and I was like, oh. I was like, it cannot be real. <laughs> it won uh, one best trick at the Carolina close-up convention, or what's really? now called tricks. Uh, so cool. trick convention. I was just there, and I was, I was I'm sitting there, and uh, somebody, they, you know, I was performing it for people and all around the convention. And then someone said towards the end of the convention, they, "Danny, come, come up here." And I'm like standing at the front of this room of a couple hundred magicians next to Wayne Houchen and Mario Lopez. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing next to these guys <laughs> at the front of the room? No one told me why I was up there. So I just like, I'm there. <laughs> like, in, you guys don't know Wayne, Wayne Houchins, an amazing magician. You know, Mario Lopez, another amazing magician. And, uh, and yeah, they gave me the award for uh, best trick of the convention. And it was, it was that, uh, Coinco. So cool. 
Yeah, definitely worth a watch. That that's definitely gonna get people's interest peaked. I'm I'm sure. If, if they made it this far, go 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 spend the time to watch the trailers. And and like I said, you'll you'll be getting emails from uh me shortly or from Benji and I very shortly uh promoting the project. So uh, maybe wait until you can get your little discount. And if you're just too excited, just go buy it from Danny's site because you know it, it's definitely <laughs> worth it to to learn that even just that one that one trick. Yeah. If you get, don't know, my site's dannygoldsmithmagic.com. Yeah. Pretty soon. And you can just Google Danny Goldsmith Magic. It'll come up first as well. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Lots of free stuff on there too. Yeah. Don't miss the uh, free tutorials page. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably leave that in the description as well of this um, podcast. Cool, so if cool. you guys want to find that, just go in the description, you'll find it. Nice. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Danny. And like I said, thanks yeah. everyone for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've definitely learned a lot and I've, I'm going to walk away feeling edified and inspired. So hopefully uh, other people feel uh, likewise. Nice. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So nice. I always enjoy it. Yeah. Be well, everyone.